This podcast is part of the Zeo to Hero Podcast Network. AvenuePodcast.net. Hello, all my beautiful people. It's time for another fun episode of If You Give a Data Podcast. And I just want to say thank you and welcome to those that are here to listen to this week's episode. Whether this is your first time being here or if you're a long-term listener, I really appreciate you being here and hearing these episodes that I bring to you. And I hope that you enjoy them as much as I do recording them. Um, So this week's guest is a voice actor. Um, I've had a few on, but this one's really cool. He is the voice of Beerus in Dragon Ball Super. He was also Tobin in uh, The Walking Dead. He was on 25 episodes, I believe, of The Walking Dead. He was in No Country for Old Men. He was in uh, Secondhand Lions. He was in all kinds of different things. Um, He was in my favorite anime also. So um, I think this is going to be a great episode. We really hit it off, had a great conversation, and kind of just talked about just a little bit of everything. And I'm really sure that you guys are going to enjoy this too. And for those of you who are here just to listen to the Jason Douglas episode, welcome. I hope that you enjoy what you hear, and I hope that you stick around and listen to some of the other great episodes I have here as well. So, if you guys are as excited as I am, then let's get this show on the road. If you give a dad a podcast. You're bloody welcome. You know. Hey, Dad. If I get my hand stuck in a pickle jar, I'm straight up bull in a china shop, just <laughs> swinging around. Started writing songs when I was about 12 or so. Seriously? They're retrofitting now. And I'm like, yes, finally. I also had the opportunity to go train with Hoist uh, Gracie and uh, Dan Severin. Wow. I like that. That's different. <laughs> it stands out. That day, I took my very first bump, and it was fun. There's only one section to go through first, yeah. toys. Bro. I was like, no, man, surely this guy's not worked out that long. <laughs> I haven't laughed that hard since I was a little girl. What? Man, this guy will shut up. And just a reminder before we get started here, make sure that you like, share, and subscribe to iGadap wherever it is you're listening to. Hit that notification bell so you are notified when a new episode drops. Also, make sure that you go out there and rate and review this episode. Tell me what you think of it. And the more people that do that, the more likely I am to be recommended to somebody else. Now, on to the show. All right, everybody. So I am really stoked about this one. This is one that I've been trying to plan out for a few months and uh, finally got this going. It is a guy that is out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He is a film, television, and voice actor. He's very well known for being in The Walking Dead, being part of Dragon Ball Super as Lord Beerus, and lots of other stuff. He's also part of Chainsaw Man and Borderlands 2. I am talking about Jason Douglas, and I'm very excited. Man, how are you doing today? Hey, man, I'm good. I'm just uh, our our little mini Snowmageddon here in North Texas. I'm I'm not exactly... uh, having to dig out but uh but yeah we got a little overnight blanket but we're good man yeah it's yeah. a good uh good good start to the year so yeah we had some really low temperatures here i think right now it says that the real feel is like negative 10 where i'm at yeah. and uh you know had salt the driveway and everything but yeah mini yeah. snowmageddon like you said <laughs> well we're just not planning on going anywhere so right yeah i'm gonna give it a day or two before i get antsy <laughs> <Just> start <laughs> tossing the salt well, they, it's, uh, my job, uh, they gave us uh, today off cause Martin Luther King day. 
and everything. Sure. So uh, it kind of worked out. You know, I didn't have to worry about getting out in this to go to work or anything. So, it, right. uh, you know, I was kind of blessed to have that happen. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Kids are out of school today, too. So, yes, they are. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I got my daughter running around out there and stuff. And she's, uh, you know, I, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. she's trying to figure out if she's going to be out of school tomorrow, too because uh the the roads did get pretty bad i mean the trash didn't even run today so yeah here either and for the kids it's almost like christmas again yeah suddenly they're up early they're begging to go out and you know it's going to be in and out all day yeah Uh, (laughs) you know i'm so cold you know i'm I'm ready to go back it's you know (laughs) the house is filthy by the end of the day of course oh yeah yeah that's how it is it is it's all good yeah. Thanks for having me on your show. I uh, I think I don't know if we met in person at a show at some point, and uh, and that's how we met. But I I I, I thought the name of your podcast was was kind of funny. So uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, my, being a, being a fellow dad, I kind of get it. You know. Yeah. Well, my my wife actually named it. I kind of told her what I wanted to do with the show. Sure. And she was like, kind of like if you give a mouse a cookie, you know, anything can happen on there. Sure. So you know, and I. I that's what I wanted. I wanted a show where I didn't get nailed down to just one type of thing. I could have, you know, any type of person on there that I want. Yeah, that's terrific. Well, we'll kind of get started into this. You know, I've got some uh, questions up here for you and uh, we'll just kind of jump into that. Um, so when was it that you kind of uh, realized that this was what you wanted to do? Yeah, that's uh that's a good question to start with. I, um, you know, I was uh, I was I was in high school uh, and had had done some work in our our high school theater, uh-huh. and um, and I I don't always you know mention this, but I but I, it, it is relevant. I, I I went to high to a high school that had a really strong theater program, uh-huh. um, and uh, we we had a couple of guys that went on to to be pretty well known, um, uh, you know, sort of I don't know. It was, I feel like it was well before I sort of you know became you know, carved out my own little niche, um, right. but like Jim Parsons, if you know, Jim from the, obviously the big bang theory, uh-huh. um, and another actor named Charlie Pollock, he's not so well known, but he, he's a kind of Broadway guy, uh, lives up in the New York area. Uh, so I, I just was around and absorbing a lot of, um, uh, uh, I don't know, just interesting, not only personalities, but, uh, you know, just, you know, some, some really terrific theater at a, you know, for a high school theater program. And, yeah. uh, so I kind of got the bug. And, uh, so I, 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 by, you know, fall of, of, of my, what was my freshman year in college, I, I had enrolled at the university of Houston really on reputation alone. I, I had, it had had a storied, um, you know, history at that mm-hmm. point. And, uh, so I kind of being somewhat aimless and not sure what I actually wanted to do. Uh, this was kind of a thing I did on the, just you know, I'm going to go to college. I just didn't know what I wanted to do there. And so I, I joined the theater department and, uh, and, you know, just started learning, learning as much as I could and auditioning for everything yeah. and occasionally getting cast, uh, in, you know, either main stage shows or, you know, what we would call smaller lab laboratory shows. Uh-huh. And, uh, and that's just where I kind of, it kind of settled in for me. Um, I, I was, I had the privilege of working under some some terrific acting teachers, Carolyn Boone, um, who you know was uh, just she was she was well connected with uh, a Cecil Pickett, who had who had been kind of the guru of that acting program throughout the 
you know, 70s and into the early mid 80s, mm-hmm. uh, but also Sidney Berger, who taught Shakespeare, and then later on, Jose Quintero, who was this amazing uh, uh, theater director and acting teacher. Um, he was one of the founders of Circle in the Square Theater in New York. And oh, okay. Uh, I just brought a, a such a such a wealth of 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 insight and into the into the work so that's kind of where i got started and uh and later on much later on i was doing houston theater uh eventually i got attracted the attention of of a local anime uh pro, you know producer uh yeah. they were this mom and pop little organization uh that were <laughs> you know, uh, buying I always just jokingly say like pallets of anime from Japan, but really, <laughs> the, you know, the licensing that they would do when no one was really watching anime in the United States, except for a hardcore group of, you know, fans. Yeah. And so, but they had this idea to license these obscure titles from Japan that no one was watching and re and package them for an, an English speaking North American audience. Mm-hmm. And so they would do the dubs and, and the subtitles and, and uh, give it a really slick new looking, you know, package. And that company was called AD vision. They went on to become ADV films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when I joined in with them. And, um, and now, you know, them as Sentai film works, but, but they were kind of one of the originators of the idea of, uh, you know, anime distribution. Right. Uh, if you walked into a blockbuster in, uh, you know, the mid, you know, mid to late nineties or early aughts before they started shutting down and you went to that kind of animation section. Yeah. Uh, you would find a whole section of anime, a good chunk of it was ADV films titles. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think about Funimation and Dragon Ball, but you know, Funimation's big thing was Dragon Ball. And that was kind of it originally. Right. And they, they, they were, they get, they were gangbusters out of the gate because they got a distribution deal right off the bat and they landed that thing on Cartoon Network. So you had a whole generation of youngsters growing up watching Dragon Ball uh, and kind of opening their minds to uh, anime. Yes. uh, Thanks to what, you know, Gen, Gen Fukunaga was doing with, uh, at that time with Funimation. So. Mm Uh, but anyway, that's a weird long way to answer your question. How did I get started? I really just started out to be a stage guy. That's what okay. I was my primary ambition. And then, and then later on, anime was just kind of a side gig while I was doing other voiceover work. And I was really kind of aiming to try to figure out how to do film and television. Okay. And um, anime was just something that was always there as a, yeah. you know, as a job. If, if, if I was doing nothing else, I was probably going in a couple hours a week at least uh, recording voices for anime. And here we are 25-ish years later, and I'm still doing it. <laughs> well, I mean, it's become a very – it's huge in the United States now. You know, uh, especially I was talking to my son, and he was saying that at his school, you know, it's almost uncool if you don't watch anime. It's so you know, weird. It's yeah. completely the opposite of the way it was. Then. Exactly. <laughs> completely the opposite. Yeah. And, and you know, you, anime was just like, it was almost like the repository of, of a fan base for, for kids that didn't fit in anywhere else. I mean, mm-hmm. truly. Yeah. And I'm not being derogatory. That was just, we discovered that very quickly. It was, it was a very niche mm-hmm. uh, thing and a very niche fan base. And, you know, prior to that, there was always the occasional sort of 
property from overseas that would get an, a, a, an American, you know, dub. And yeah. it was almost just like an afterthought. Right. Uh, maybe it was, you know, for, for who you just did it to do it. And it, we, it didn't pay very much. And, we, mm -hmm. and none of us thought that this was like a thing that could actually become something. But, you know, again, thanks to the work of, you know, ADV kind of seeding the fan base and then obviously Funimation yeah. uh, with Dragon Ball and their early stuff. Um, yeah. It, it 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 became a thing and and simultaneous to that were all of the conventions the fan conventions i think yes. in some ways i really feel like that's a huge part of where it all came together because yeah. these fans started meeting each other they discovered you know i'm not like I'm there's not other people myself. like me yeah there are other people out there who are into this <laughs> and uh so yeah it, it gave it a certain it attached a certain credibility to it that i think maybe didn't exist prior right well i remember i had a a buddy that we would watch it together on Toonami. You know, I mean, that's where my first uh, seeing Dragon Ball Z was probably my first interaction with anime. Um, and yeah, I mean, Toonami brought that out into, you know, like you said, on Cartoon Network to where, you know, you had uh, stuff like that. You had uh, yeah. Sailor Moon and, uh, you know, Gundam Wing, all those things. So it, I, I'm glad that I had that. But it's funny, I was talking to a guy the other day and, now talking to people that I went to school with and they're like, Oh yeah, I remember love watching that. And I'm like, wait a minute. You never said anything about that. When we were in school, there was a lot more people that were closet fans of it than what right. I even knew at the time. Sure. Yeah. I, I had a feeling that it was kind of like, you know, you, you, ne you didn't necessarily admit you were into it. Right. And you know, at the time, yeah. um, but but now you see it's all over the fashion. I mean, you know, you mm -hmm. walk into a hot topic and half of that store is stocked with anime related, yeah. um, you know, merch. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, you're right. It's, it's just, it's just everywhere. And I think, I sort of think the sort of the uniquely American experience of what anime fandom is, it just feels different from even what probably is, is in Japan where it's just been a part of the culture longer and it's sort of ubiquitous. You're not an anime fan. You're just, you know, you're a fan of a show and it might yeah. not be animated or something, but here it's, it's an anime fan is a certain thing and it's a very yes. different kind of, of thing. But, you know, I say that anime fan could be anybody. I, mm -hmm. I did a show once where uh, it, it was an odd show where believe it or not, they had uh, an MMA match at the, sh at the show. Really? And, uh, yeah. They were doing like in the same venue, they were doing like an anime tournament in the evening and they they basically just kind of combined you know uh, it, it sounds odd but if you you know if you think about the idea that actually a lot of fan conventions have sometimes have wrestlers right and they'll even have live wrestling yes you know, but this was this was mma and and this guy that uh i remember this guy going in and like having a match or something but he comes up to me later this burly dude and he's like <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Dragon Ball. Like, you know, like, he, yeah, it, it just like it inspires kind of an, it inspires his training. And he's yes. not the only person I've met like this. Like there are right. guys that like get fit and and they're not necessarily inspired by like Schwarzenegger movies. Like they're mm -hmm. inspired by Dragon Ball. Right. And power ups. Yeah. And, you know, the tournament of power. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Know, it's it's um it's an interesting phenomenon and as a guy that's just over a certain age i'm still figuring it out i can talk about it but i yeah. can't i can't tell you i understand that i understand it right it's just 
it's just curious and i'm i'm an observer i'm in i'm i'm participating on a, in a certain level but I, I you know i don't i certainly don't claim to be like a guru of anime fandom or you know i can tell you exactly what it's all about because yeah it surprises me every day <laughs> well it's actually funny that you say that You're talking about the wrestlers and stuff you know as i told you before we started i've had quite a few on my show here and um, I, I work with a local company here that does wrestling, and um, they always geek out the hardest whenever I have an anime voice actor on my show. You know, I, I make I'm like, hey, I'm gonna have this dude on. They're like, really? That's so cool. You know, and th yeah. they love it. it. Almost all of the guys that I know in wrestling um, that are around my age or younger are all anime fans. I love the wrestlers. I mean, first of all, they're fantastic athletes and performers yeah and you know they're they're doing it all mm -hmm. um but you know i too grew up watching wrestling uh, uh it didn't extend into my adulthood at all yeah but i was a big mid-south wrestling fan you may okay as well if you grew yeah. up in arkansas i mean like that was on uh every saturday and uh in houston we had houston wrestling which was its own pocket of mid-south wrestling so it was yep. a lot of the same wrestlers and so for like an hour and a half every saturday night i would watch wrestling and then sunday morning i would watch the rebroadcast that's how oh, cool. much i was into it but um <laughs> I, I, it was a lot of fun because at a recent um actually it's been a couple of years but as I, I was at a convention uh somewhere in the southeast and uh, one of the guests was jim dugan and, okay uh, of course i watched taxaw dugan as a kid you know, oh yeah but I'm old enough that I remember when he started and he was like a baby face. Yeah. I, I remember him being like this clean cut, crisp, you know, they kind of played <laughs> up his, you know, being an all American. Right. Like Oklahoma or something. Uh -huh. That's where he played football. And, uh, uh, and then eventually he kind of turned heel, but then he was a good guy heel. Anyway, super great personality. One of the nicest guys I've ever met had ended up having dinner with him and his, he and his wife mm -hmm. who he adores and she follows him around to all the shows. And, yep. and, uh, that guy was so full of stories. I could have sat and listened to him all night. And of course it was a lot of, you know, about, um, you know, junkyard dog, who was a big, I was a huge fan of and mm -hmm. Mala and Andre the giant. Uh, so yeah he it was just he, he seemed happy to be there so that's cool yeah. I, I actually got to meet him last year um at a con oh, and cool. oh he was so nice i mean yeah, yeah. that was probably one of the highlights of uh the con for me yeah. and then uh yesterday i got to meet jimmy hart oh cool yeah, yeah so got to meet the mouth of the south these guys are great and yeah another guy who does a podcast uh at least he did for a while or maybe it was a I don't know. Maybe it was a cable show. Uh, the 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 guy that was the manager for the Midnight Express. Do you remember? Uh, yeah. Um, I not think of his name. Talking about Jim Cornette. Maybe Jim Cornette. Yeah, yeah, he did a show for a while that was like fascinating. And yeah, to have these guys on. I don't know why, but these like wrestling circuit stories are 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 <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, they're heartbreaking. They're yes. scandalous. I mean, it, they've got it all. Uh, I I you know. Have you watched any of uh, Dark Side of the Ring? No, no, I haven't. Uh, uh, so I, I watch. It's on Hulu, uh, but I think it's on like uh, Vice TV or something like that. Um, and they have some crazy stories from wrestling on there. You know, I mean, st stuff that you never would have expected to happen, and you're like, wow, you know. Right. But uh, yeah, if you like those kind of behind the scenes stories and everything from wrestlers, that, that would be one that I think you'd enjoy checking out. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Thanks for the tip. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So 
you grew up in Arkansas. Um, split time between Arkansas time. And, uh, and and Houston, Texas. Yeah. Okay. And you said at your high school you did the uh, the acting and the drama classes and thing like that. Did they have the forensic tournaments back then? Because whenever I was in high school, yeah, we had the forensic tournaments where we go to different high schools and we compete. You know, yeah. with doing duets and you know yeah. uh, improv and all that stuff. Uh, they did, and I was just not into it. Like I okay, I, I don't know why I wasn't really introduced to it, and mm-hmm. uh, I. You know, I was, uh, I hate to say I was an athlete, but I participated in <laughs> athletics. I was on the sports teams. I was on football. I think okay. I track and basketball occasionally, you know, a couple times um, um, between, you know, working and uh, just trying to, you know, stay above the middle of the, cl- of my class. Uh, <laughs> I was not a great student. I was, uh, you know, I, I was, I, I just, I don't know. I, I was sort of that was my thing in high school is that I, mm-hmm. I, I just didn't have that focus. Right. And um, I think now we understand more things about like ADHD and all these other factors that kind of affect us. But yeah, uh, for me, it just, it didn't come together until, until, until I really got, to, until I got to college. And so, you know, I would say, you know, high school was kind of a soft launch, but of course it had, I had I to do it all over again and understand then what I know now, yeah, uh, I think I would have absolutely embraced more of those opportunities because our high school had them. They did. They did it all. And, yeah. Uh, so a lot of the kids that were in drama were also doing forensics and debate, uh, not to mention choir and, yeah. and a lot of the other more performance related creative outlets that um, that that make them who they are. You know? Right. Yeah. Hey there, podcast listener. You enjoying what you're listening to? Well then, do I got a special treat for you. Storytime with Cosplay Dude 637 That's me. I'm your host. And I like to tell you stories. Stories that I personally enjoy. So, buckle up. Get comfortable. Because we're going on a wild ride. So we'll kind of switch over here just a little bit. So you, you got into voice acting. You know, it sounds like pretty early on in your career and everything. When did you um start when did you switch over and start doing uh film and television well for me you know it was never it it, it was never really a, a an intentional i don't know how to say that it was never a switch like hey i'm just gonna flip a switch but in a certain yeah. sense there, there is an aspect of that mm-hmm. uh because i you know you you go from doing a lot of theater and then eventually you get an opportunity to audition for film and television right and you and you get it you know at some yeah. point you get it you get cast in something and it's it's usually your first job is just a day player on something yeah uh, but you realize um i'm castable and this is lucrative if i can do a lot of it right uh and uh and you know and also it's it you know at least at least in like union feature film and television you're you know if you work enough you can qualify for their health insurance plan so yeah. as a young guy with a family by the t- you know by the time i was 27 i was married and i had you know kid kids on the way mm-hmm. and uh, so it it became the idea of kind of shifting a bit from from theater to film and television uh, made sense right and so and so i did and 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 the shift really for me just meant i'm going to focus my attention on film and television and I'm I'm also going to stop auditioning for theater. I'm going to I'm going to have to start turning it down. Yeah. Because those offers would come in or those auditions would come in and 
you know, you're, you're basically blocking out two months of your life right. to devote to this thing. And yeah. it's not like you can just shift in and out of it easily mm -hmm. uh, because theater requires a significant amount of rehearsal and then the commitment of the run, which is typically, um, uh, you know, four weeks, you know, three to four weeks. Right. So uh, that was a, that was a tough decision because I loved it and, and I, I wanted to keep doing it. But uh, I, at the time I was uh, sort of captivated, captivated by the idea. Yeah. And at the time, Texas was exporting a lot of talent. We had, mm -hmm. we had a lot of things happening in Texas. We had Robert Rodriguez studio, which was just kind of becoming a thing. Yeah. Um, you had Richard Linklater doing, doing his thing. You had Mike judge, uh, you had, uh, but, but you also had, a, a, you know, productions that were happening here. Right. Uh, and then you had, and then you had places like uh, New Orleans, Shreveport, uh, you had uh, New Mexico with Albuquerque. Uh, and these places were also trying to make film, but they didn't have a lot of homegrown acting talent or even crew for that matter. So it was, it was not uncommon for Texas actors and crew uh, to go out of state for a production and mm -hmm. I would get auditions all the time in Texas uh, for, for shows uh, shooting in New Mexico and Louisiana and elsewhere. Yeah. And uh, so if, if you, if you look at a lot of my early film and television work, it's, it's projects that shot in those areas, not just right. Texas. Okay. And occasionally other places I, you know, I did one tree Hill, which shot in North Carolina. I did Nashville, which shot in Nashville. Right. Um, and uh, this was all before Georgia started coming on. You know, the huh. first thing I ever did in Georgia was The Walking Dead. Oh. Uh, but it was, um, you know, Atlanta. Atlanta's always been a strong town for, for actors and acting. So it, mm -hmm. you know, it's no surprise that they were able to kind of contain what they were doing for a while with, with their own acting talent. But Texas yeah. had a lot of, Texas actors got a lot of work outside of Texas uh, back in those days. So. Well, I, you know, and I, from what I hear, I don't, I haven't heard much more about it, but at one time I heard that a lot of like the stuff in Hollywood was kind of migrating its way towards Texas. And, um, I I've heard that we're probably going to see even more of that happening in the future. Well, Cause well, I think because uh, Texas, uh, I think recently, um, and I don't have all the numbers or the, the rules around it, but I, they just approved within like our last legislative session, they approved a big new package of incentives yeah, uh, so that they can better compete with some of our neighboring States, which have right. a terrific incentives package. Yeah. Uh, what Georgia did is they got in on the game early on mm -hmm. and, and it was so good that they started, you know, people started building infrastructure there. So there are actually, actually studios, uh, physical studios, Lakewood studio, uh, Lakewood. I think that's the name of it. Pinewood, sorry, Pinewood Studios, uh -huh. uh, which has a, a you know a sister facility in the UK, but they're the ones that typically do all the Marvel films, yeah. Um, and so they have a real deal, grown up film industry in Georgia, and uh, it, you know, it's just funny to think about because thirty years ago it looked like Texas would really have a strong shot at at being that, yeah. And, uh, but the incentives kind of change the game completely yeah, right so so you brought something up a minute ago and it was yeah. something i wanted to talk to you about so when the walking dead you came in i think it was about what was it season five when you came in on there season five yeah season, season five five right, right 
And you said that was your first uh, time doing any work in Georgia. What was it like coming into a show that was already such a huge hit? Yeah, you know, I had auditioned several times before. I, I, I think I had auditioned for, and when I say audition, I just mean read for. Yeah. Uh, I'm not serious consideration, but I think I read for Merle at one point. Okay. I also read for Otis at one point. Uh-huh. I remember Otis from season, I do. I don't know, two season two. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't my first time reading for the show. Uh, it still was a juggernaut mm-hmm. you know, coming into season five. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, most all of us aspired to get on that show. Yeah. First of all, just because it was, you know, you, you obviously you want to work, but it was a worldwide phenomenon. Yes. And so <clears throat> coming onto the show, getting finally getting cast, uh, it, it felt like, you know, it's hard, you know, you kind of feel like you've arrived a little bit. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, after, after having done so many other things that kind of lead up to that, uh-huh. uh, because also it's, you know, as an actor starting out, you, you typically start out doing uh day player roles, one liners or a character that just appears in one scene. Right. Uh, and, and you, you kind of, you kind of hope to graduate up to like network shows, uh-huh. uh, that matters a lot less now, but it used to be a big deal to be on a show like on ABC or NBC or CBS. Right. Right. Um, and you know, you, 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 you hope that you get a role that's kind of a bigger role right? mm-hmm. and then you hope that you get a role that maybe reappears. So you're recurring, you know, yes. once or twice in a season. Uh, these are all steps, um, uh, for in an actor's career. You, you, you always start at the bottom. And by that time I had, I actually had had a couple of recurring roles. Yes. Uh, Nashville and on a show called Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one was kind of open-ended and it wasn't clear whether it would be uh, a, a recur that would turn into a, a, you know, a series regular or at least a regular recurring guest star. Right. Uh, me, it, it became a recurring guest star. And, yes. And, uh, and it was, it was kind of a, again, at the time, kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so from a career standpoint, I was super excited and, you know, getting on set for the first time, uh, it was, uh, pretty surreal, you know, to, to see in person, some of these characters, because these are iconic characters by now. Right. And, yeah. You know, Rick is in, you know, and Andrew, uh, Andy Lincoln is, he's just iconic. When you see Andy Lincoln in person, you see, you're, you're looking at Rick. Exactly. Yeah. It, 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 and, but I remember he came up to me on the first day. He kind of welcomed me and, and uh, definitely made me feel right at home. And um, That's cool. I don't know, it was just the beginning of a really cool couple of year period of time in my life and in my career uh, when I kind of felt like I had a regular job, which was fantastic. And yeah, and it was a bunch of people that I really enjoyed. And Walking Dead had a, a the, the cast mix was very interesting because you did have sort of big stars like Andy Lincoln. Mm hmm on the show. Uh, but you also had a, a pretty good stock of, you know, very well-regarded regional actors. So what I mean by that is actors who are not necessarily LA based, right? Uh, but who, who are, are very strong actors in any case mm-hmm. and have worked a lot regionally much as I had. And so it was really a lot of fun to rub elbows with those, uh, with those folks and, uh, to, to get to know them and meet them. Some of whom I still, uh, you know, uh, have occasional contact with Anne Mahoney, who's, who's played Olivia. She's uh, still based out of new Orleans, her hometown, but 
yeah uh, you know she surfaces from time to time and and uh, uh kenrick green um uh who, who who was a really good dude and all those guys ross and but a lot of us started out you know we were not necessarily la or new york based right we did on the show many of the lead cast if you think about melissa mcbride you know not mm-hmm. an la based actor right uh, she was atlanta based i think she uh, the story was uh, that I heard was just that she uh, she had gotten more into casting by the time um, Walking Dead came around, and apparently Frank Darabont wanted to work with her because he'd worked with her on The Mist, I think, and so kind of called her out of what she was doing. And but you know, again, another sort of regional, uh, strong regional actor who kind of became something by virtue of the show. Yeah, you said that you didn't know at first you know, uh, how this was going to turn out, you know, and then you ended up being a reoccurring character on there. When did you find out um, how you were going to, your character was going to end on the show? Oh, that's a good question. I thought you were going to ask, how did I find out? Like, you know, like when, did, when did, cause it, what, what, what I was thinking is like, when did I find out when, you know, that my character was going to not die immediately? Right. Yeah. You know, my, my sense was from the comic book that this was a guy that's going to last maybe three to six episodes. So yeah. going in, I thought, hey, I'm going to get three to six episodes out of this. This is great. I ended yeah. up getting 25 episodes out of exactly. this. Exactly. <laughs> um, and um, so the first part of that, which is the question you didn't ask, is kind of like, when did I realize this could go on for a while? And honestly, it's a, there's a very specific spot where my character should have died. Uh-huh. It's in, uh, I think, midway maybe through season six when the, the the tower falls on the wall and there's the, you know, the zombie kind of yeah. invasion of Alexandria that all the Alexandrians have to band together to right. fight off. And uh, you'll there's a scene that you may recall where, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tobin is sort of rescued from the debris of the tower uh, I think Rose uh, and, uh, you know, another character, they kind of grab me off the ground where I'm bleeding. Right. Anyway, that, that in the comic book, that's where Tobin dies. He dies in that, you know, okay. uh, in, in that event. And uh, so by the end of the shooting of that, I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm still alive. And, <laughs> you know, and I, I, you know, I was never such an important actor on the show that like I had like a season contract where I knew exactly how many episodes I was going to do anyway. Right. So everything was always kind of show to show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, um, you know, season eight, I think, is when Tobin met his demise. And yep. uh, I was actually, oddly enough, I had my... I had gone to where my wife was having lunch. She called me and was like, my tire's flat. And I'm like, I'll come change your tire. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm, I'm changing the tire on the minivan. <laughs> and uh, my phone rings. And I look down and it's uh, uh, Scott. Uh, Scott, the, you know, the showrunner. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I immediately knew, oh, I'm dead. Like, <laughs> you know, because it the 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 courtesy uh that is given to actors who've been on the show for a while um who are gonna die uh, is that they get notified before the script goes out to the rest of the cast and crew yeah Uh, and so it was a you know the draft came out that preceded you know shooting that episode which happened i think two weeks after that and he just let me know you know how much 
my work was appreciated on the show. It was a very sincere call. It wasn't BS, but yeah, it, you know, he was kind of letting me know that like, Hey, it's going to happen. And, and, uh, and I was like, yeah, thanks. We had a nice conversation and, um, and I couldn't have been more pleased with the way that the way Tobin was, was sent off. It was exactly like I'd always hoped. Yeah. I said, I hope he dies with his boots on, you know, (laughs) he goes out fighting. Yeah. Not only did he, did I get to, you know, spend that episode fighting Uh uh, and, uh, but, but, you know, I, I got a, I I thought Tobin got a pretty nice Walker turn. Yes. uh, And, you know, got, you know, got a little rampage and very reminiscent intentionally of classic Frankenstein and uh and before kind of meeting you know his final demise uh at the hands of who else uh but uh, melissa you know mcbride so yeah yeah uh, it was very perfect and fitting in for the character and surrounded <laughs> frankly by like andy lincoln was in the room and norman reedus was in the room and uh it was it was very cool so that is cool so playing a zombie you know i mean uh, I'm guessing that's the first time you've ever done that. What kind of direction do they give you to be like, okay, um, yeah, th- how how does that go about? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, for the first half of the shooting for that show, the first couple of days, I'm I'm still living, so it was all very normal. And then, and then once those shoes shoots are once that part of it was done for me, and I had to shift into zombie mode. Um, I even, you know, they, they send you to a completely different makeup trailer where they do special effects makeup. Um, and, um, you know, for me, obviously I'm a, you know, Tobin was fresh. Yeah. So there was no decay. You right. Know, you just had to see like change of skin color. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most notably the thing that they do with the eyeballs, which is, yes. which is crazy. And those are really heavy colored contacts um that depending on the scene they're either going to completely cover your eye um or they're going to have one that's got a little tiny hole in the middle so you can kind of see what you're doing (laughs) depending on the needs of the camera you know yeah it's a close-up or not and uh, you know i we just you just improvise it i i I understand that the background actors who play zombies have to go through some kind of a training but uh for me it was just like you just do it and yeah. uh and you do what makes sense and right and so we did and and the actions were very important because it was a lot of close-ups it was a lot of terror right it, you know mm-hmm. people waking up in the middle of the night because they heard a noise and suddenly tobin is like tearing yeah. into your flesh yeah uh, and and so there was some cool special effects stuff where i had to bite through someone's i don't know neck and yeah pulsing blood would be gushing out and truly that's like connected to a pump and there's somebody just off camera like pumping the blood so that it spurts out and oh wow uh, you know a lot of fun i mean honestly like you know did they get it all in one take well we did uh, some of those things did happen in one take Uh we typically do multiple takes of of any given thing right uh but when you do the when you do a close-up of a special effects shot you're really hoping to get that right in one take yeah because you know you're going to be cutting away from that and into it and and as long as you as long as you get a good second second and a half of you know teeth you know <laughs> flesh right uh, you've got something to work with so yeah. Well, yeah i mean walking dead i was on the couch for the very first episode when it aired you know yeah. and I, i've loved so much of it i actually um whenever you said that uh you tell me that you would be on here and everything like that. 
I went back and started rewatching the show, mm-hmm. you know, just so I, just a refresher because it's, you know, it's been a minute since I watched it, but man, that show still holds up. It was so, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. The quality was always there. Even if, you know, you had fans and critics sometimes complaining about the strengths of, you know, mm-hmm. different episodes, but every episode was really, I think, lovingly, uh, assembled, uh, from the writing to the production team, the, 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 the crafts people that you yeah. know, work in the different departments, whether it's art department, um, special effects. And that's one of the thing I, I, that I miss the most about being on the show is just being around so many people that are so good at what they do and, yeah. and, and giving that attention to every scene, you know, the lighting, the, the, mm-hmm. you know, the camera angles. I mean, all these guys are, are, they're artisans, every one of them. And, right. and you can see that in the show. You can, you can see that attention to detail. So uh, that was really cool. So you've, you've done lots of different shows. In fact, going through IMDb, um, I, I'm going to use a um, wrestling analogy here whenever I say this, but I was talking to my wife and I was like, I popped whenever I saw all the different stuff that you had been in, you know? Yeah. And uh, like, I loved into the West, you know, and I saw that oh, wow. you were on that, you know, and then you're in preacher, you know, you, sure. you were in full metal alchemist, you know, uh, full metal, full metal alchemist brotherhood. And yeah. I, I was sitting there just talking to her. I was like, Oh my God, he was in this and this, you know, yeah. so you've had a, an amazing career. Um, what would you say is probably one of your favorite characters that you've played? Wow. That's uh that's really good. I, I, I've, I, I, I tend to think less of characters than I do of like my experience working on something. Yes. Um, you know, as far as characters recently, uh, I'm, I, and I still talk about this uh, just because it not only did I love the writing, but it was also a great experience. It was an independent film that I did here in Texas called two step. And, okay. Uh, this film is available via Apple, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was made by a filmmaker out of Brooklyn, who had been living in Texas, uh, working in Austin for a, no- a couple of years at that point. And he, he had really gotten the, uh, I think he'd gotten where he'd understood the Texas vibe, if you will. And yeah. uh, he just had a crazy idea for a film uh, based on some old fears that he had around home invasions. And um, he had seen a story about the grandparents scam where, you know, somebody will call old people and pretend to be their you know, grandchildren and Uh they'll end up, you know, scamming them out of thousands of dollars. Oh man. And uh, so he just, he, he created a a scenario that became this kind of slow burn Texas crime thriller. Okay. And uh, it's, it's uh, really terrific. And I, you know, recommend it, but I played uh, Dwayne kind of a local crime boss Uh uh, and, uh, and uh, 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 just some, I think some really fine writing and some terrific acting, um, I love doing independent film. Uh, you know, recently I've been working with some guys here in North Texas uh, who are, are are independent filmmakers, and and there's just something about working on a small set right. uh, with really hungry, um, you know, not only actors but you know the filmmakers too are just really trying to knock it out of the park uh, on a limited budget, and there's something very raw and real about that. Um, so. But, you know, other things I've been a part of that I, I, I had a great time, interestingly enough, there's, there's a sci-fi show called The Lost Room. It was uh, actually one of those early projects of mine when I first started working out of state. 
uh-huh. uh, shot in Albuquerque with uh, uh, Kevin Pollack, among others. Uh, but it's a really great sci-fi piece. Uh, uh, and I, I was in, originally it was shot as a three film miniseries. And I think, I think they ended up breaking up into like six one hour episodes. Um, but that was a lot of fun. I got to do uh, one of the librarian films. Uh, if you mm-hmm. remember the Noah Wiley series uh, yeah. that shot in new Orleans, uh, that was, that was a lot of fun. Cause I was on the whole, I was on that from, from about a month and a half. Yeah. Uh, so that was fun. Uh yeah, I've had some fun. You know, I, I, I got to I got to spend a day on uh, No Country for Old Men working with uh, the Coen brothers and Josh Brolin. Yeah. You know, it's tiny role, day player role, but man, what an experience. Uh, my first film right out of the gate uh, when I started working and, and focusing on film and television was a show called Secondhand Lions. And if you got kids, uh, you've uh-huh. probably seen it. Uh, and if you haven't, I definitely recommend it about a... a a young Haley Joel Osment at the time he was, you know, this was after sixth sense and after mm-hmm. AI. Uh, but, and he was on the cusp, you know, he was still maybe, I don't know, I say 12, 13, 14, uh, not quite an adult yet. And he plays this 10, 11 year old kid that goes to stay with his crazy uncles for the summer. And <laughs> uh, uh, Robert Duvall, Michael Caine. Uh, so I'm working with all those guys. Uh, Star studded cast there. Yeah, completely. Yeah, for sure. And um, uh, directed, written and directed, by the way, by Tim McCandless, who is is probably best known for writing and directing uh, The Iron Giant. So ah, okay. So if you that vibe, you know that kind of writing, that kind of something really just heartfelt and Spielbergian about, you know, if you remember The Iron Giant, yeah, know, a lot of that is true of uh, Secondhand Lions as well. So. But. Yeah. You could ask me that about uh, anime, and like I've done so many <laughs> hundreds of titles. Uh, uh, obviously, Beerus. I'm having a great, a great time voicing Beerus the Destroyer. Yes. Um, who just doesn't quit? You know, it's interesting. They keep coming out with Dragon Ball content. Uh-huh. Uh, one the fans really want is a continuation <laughs> of Dragon Ball Super, um, but it looks like we're going to get a different kind of series coming up. Yeah. But. I'm not sure what that's going to be about or how it's going to affect, you know, obviously my characters, but mm-hmm. uh, even, even within the last month I've, I'm voicing Beerus for two different video games. So, okay. uh, you know, that stuff continues to work. Well, yeah. Aren't they, is it a new Budokai that they're coming out with? Um, that's I right, think Budokai Tenkaichi and the, the name of it is like spark. I call it, I've been calling it sparkle vision, which is terrible. <laughs> Uh, it is something like that, um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it is it is a it is a continuation of the Budokai Tenkaichi yeah. series of games, and it's gangbusters. I mean, there's like almost every character from Dragon Ball Universe is in the game and playable. Yeah, so it's extremely ambitious. But uh, I've really been enjoying. So um, I do a lot of gameplay on the Switch, yeah, and yeah. I've really been enjoying still uh, Xenoverse Two. Yep. That one has been uh, a ton of fun to play. I uh, still haven't beaten it because, you know, there's a lot to do on that, you know. But um, right. you were involved with that one as well, weren't you? Yeah, Xenoverse. I think I want to say Xenoverse might have actually been the introduction of Beerus. Yes. Um, uh, very low key. Uh-huh. And I, I almost, uh, I'm just trying to remember when I last did beerus for that game but i know initially when i went in and do beers for that game i was we hadn't even done uh 
you know, battle of the gods yet. Right. Uh, so, yeah, you know, as far as like building a character and kind of knowing where he was coming from and how to do it. Um, I, I imagine that it's a lot like watching those early Tracy Ullman episodes of the Simpsons where, <laughs> you know, it's the same actors, but they sound very different. Because yeah. They hadn't, really, they, decided, they hadn't locked in the voice yet. So. Right. So yeah, uh, Beerus, that's been, um, I've really enjoyed that character a lot. You know, um, in fact, uh, as soon as I could, I, I've got a big statue of beers out in my garage and everything with, in my podcast area. So um, where do you draw inspiration from whenever you're, you came up with the voice for Beerus? Well, you know, first of all, he's a cat. So let's just establish that right up front. Yeah. Um, I felt like we needed something that was uh, sort of feline without being feminine because there wasn't, I, I just like what i mean by that is just he had that something sensual uh, yeah. and 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 smooth and and confident uh-huh. about about him but but he was also he also was this he also just reminded me of this kind of uh, old soldier yeah uh, this sort of uh crusty curmudgeon general type um, and he also had this aspect of royalty, of regality. So I'm like, how yes. do we work all that in? Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm I'm listening a little bit to what our you know um, uh, you know Japanese voice actor mm-hmm. had, had done with it, but I'm not trying to imitate uh, that performance. Right. But I am using it a little bit as a launching pad. Yeah. Um, and I just started kind of playing with my own voice and kind of throat and kind of what, you know, what, you know, what, what does it sound like to uh, be, you know, sort of confident. But I had this idea of a kind of a, a slightly British, yeah. uh, you know, uh, villain uh, <laughs> where he's, you know, thing you just want to be, you know, bothered with uh you know niceties or uh, you know this kind of you know and, and, but i didn't want him to have a british accent either i did i so i i i i think i experimented that with that but i kind of pulled back from it uh to get to go a little bit more mid-atlantic a little more uh you know smart sounding yeah uh, but, uh but all of that is to say that Ultimately, there's a gut instinct that you have, I think, at least for me, with characters. Uh-huh. And so I I try to just build that in uh, and then just let the voice kind of speak and just see what happens from scene to scene, especially as we're building it. And, and Battle of Gods was great because it gives us this huge kind of opening scene with Beerus and Weiss where Beerus is sort of waking up and he's going through his routine and it's all very feline. Yeah. Um, but he's also, you know, feasting and he's sort of barking out orders to Weiss, but he's secure, <laughs> you know, so it was really a gift because not only for me as the actor, but for the audience that we really got an introduction to that character. Yes. Uh, it, it established the baseline for what and who uh, this character is and uh, and and that's where really where Beerus was created it was in that scene and just kind of going through it over and over again until we got it right and everything else has kind of springs from that and and uh, it's you know it's the one character that I can do frankly without having to hear a reference typically yeah. when you go in to record and it's a character that you've done previously they'll they'll offer to play you a reference you know file just so you can get it back in your head. Yeah. 
And, um, but I don't really ever need that with Beerus. Uh, he just kind of rides along with me no matter where I go. <laughs> well, see, uh, you know, uh, people can't see this, but I can see you on video here yeah. and everything. And I, I can just see it, like your, your, your demeanor almost changes as you're doing the voice. I can see you, sure. you, you you're rubbing the hands together, you know, sure. and, yeah. uh, yeah. I, I can see it just comes right out and, yeah. uh, it's yeah. it's really cool to be able to see that. Yeah, for sure. That's a character that I definitely feel in yeah. my body when I'm when I'm voicing it. And, right. Uh, you know, fans really love. There's a you know I'm sure you've seen it. Um, it's uh, it's at least on YouTube. It's it's a you know it's a video uh, that was assembled of uh, Sean and I doing uh, scenes from Battle of the Gods. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And it's 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 kind of cool because they've got kind of a split screen with both of us there's a you know small insert shot of us in the booth doing these characters uh or vice versa but in any case it's you know it's sean and i it's the scene from battle of gods the big battle between goku and beerus but you know sean and i are also on screen in the booth doing the voices Uh and um and you can see how animated we we get uh just kind of getting into it it's it's it really feels like we're in the battle ourselves uh, (laughs) uh, but yeah it's a lot of fun and 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 the fans really dig that so you know, but yeah, I think I think when you feel a character, uh, especially when you've been doing it for a long time, it just can't help but kind of affect your your demeanor. And frankly, it helps. It actually helps to like adjust your posture, right? Uh, you know, according to whatever your type of character you're playing. Yeah. Uh, so. Hello, everybody. I apologize for butting in on what you're listening to, but I wanted to introduce you guys to a brand new podcast called the Tiger Nexus Podcast. I'm Ty Tiger, and I'm the host. I'm mostly known for the Tiger Tales YouTube channels, where you'll find stories and fan fictions that I write and read to you guys. I'm also a co-founder of the Three Range Bro Studios, but I wanted to dive in into this whole podcasting thing. I'm a content creator, and I adore making content of all sorts of varieties, and I want to interview people that enjoy and make content as well. And we're talking about all sorts of things, from TikToks to YouTube to story writing to storytelling podcasts movies and TV shows all forms of content you can think of I want to interview people about so there's gonna be lots of different variety so make sure you check out the Tiger Nexus podcast on YouTube and Spotify so nothing on your level of voice acting but I've done a little bit I have um, some podcasts that I work with that make their own stories and uh, they put them out on YouTube and places like that. And I've done some voice acting for them and I'm trying to find new ways to, you know, produce these new voices and things that I need to do to, uh, um, you know, make each character unique and everything. So with saying that, do you have any advice for somebody who maybe is just starting out doing voice acting? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's a good question. It's one that we get, increasingly a lot yeah and uh because to be honest with you you know 20 30 years ago it's not a question people were asking nobody was saying how can i be a voice actor very few Mm -hmm. people were right um because typically your voice actors were just actors and they were you know they were actors who were doing voice acting as a side gig or as part of the gig right yes they were just 
um, particularly you sign regionally, you sign with an agent somewhere and, uh, you know, they're going to send you out on, you know, auditions for local commercials and industrial films and voiceover yeah. jobs, you know, a local radio commercial. Uh, so you had act, you have actors doing that kind of work as a voice actor. And then you also have guys coming out of like more professional radio type situations where they're already, you know, working on mic and they're, and, and so they're coming into it from that angle. Um, and then of course you have stand up comics and, and, and other, you know, entertainment industry types who are, are getting yes. hired or going after whatever the work is. Right. Um, so all I can tell you and is the same as I tell a lot of actors is like it is is I tell people get in a class if you haven't if you haven't taken an acting class mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I'm biased because I'm an actor who took a lot of classes and, and I always <laughs> feel like you know have you know respect for the craft yes it, it is a craft and and there is so much that I do without thinking too much about it but that I I do it because I learned it the hard way. Like I went to acting class. I did yeah. scene work with other actors. I've memorized, you know, scenes from plays. And then I got up in front of people and performed them. Yeah. And I went and took, uh, you know, I, I went and studied improv. Like I, you know, I studied improv with uh, a guy named David Hickox down in Houston. And then I came up to, uh, to North Texas and I went to study improv at four day weekend. And, uh, and I've always had, you know, a strong interest in improv, but I've always, you know, felt like it was a great way to um, impact my work as an actor. And yeah. so I just try to tell people, you know, you know, do the work, be willing to do the work. Um, sometimes I get more specific if I, you know, if, if you were going to say, hey, let, can we have a consultation? And I'll, I mean, I'm going to tell you what I what my goals are. And I would, you know, I, and, and and we'll kind of feed off of each other. Yeah. Uh, then I would ask you more questions. I wouldn't just say, here's some advice. Uh, because in order to give you good advice, uh, I need to kind of know where you've been, what are you doing now, and where do you want to go? You know, right. What kind of experience have you had? Um, what is your current thing? Mm -hmm. And and what do you really want to do? Because some people just want to do audiobooks. Some people are really interested in that sort of commercial, industrial voiceover mm -hmm. world and why shouldn't they be that's where the money is um, <laughs> uh, some people just came up because they were fans of anime yeah and and they were they were fans of anime and then they remember maybe attended a convention or two and met a couple of voice actors in person mm -hmm. and then decided i think i want to do that too right so everybody comes at it from a different angle and it's really helpful to know what your angle is um if i talk to somebody who is uh, a master's student graduate at smu studying you know acting mm -hmm. um i know that that person has a strong performance background uh and probably could slide right into a voiceover job without much more training um and and so and also you know they're they've invested in a career i know that that person is going to be they're going to be acting no matter what yes um if it's someone who uh you know just like has maybe maybe they've done a fan dub you know uh -huh. maybe they've maybe their friends told them they have a cool voice and they do an impression of goku <laughs> an impression of beerus yeah and they think that they want to make money doing it and but that's all they've done mm -hmm. uh, for that person it's a completely different conversation right um because a lot of times those folks don't have a realistic um outlook 
about what an acting career truly entails. And it right. entails a lot of difficulty. Yeah. Um, it entails a lot of disappointment. Uh, it, it entails needing a lot of um, perseverance mm -hmm. uh, because you really do have to get out there and prove yourself. And, 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 uh, and no one feels obligated to hire you and right. owes you a job just by <laughs> virtue of anything. Right. And so, um, and, and there's no certificate or degree that you show up with that somebody goes, oh yeah, you've got a degree, therefore you're good. You still have to audition. Right. And it's still about, no matter what you've done, it's still about showing up and being a professional and, and also being the, the one that yeah. they're looking for. Right. And uh, that takes a lot of just balls. It really does. It takes a lot of uh, chutzpah, right? To show up and, and be like, I'm not here just because I want, because I, I, I'm hoping you'll hire me. I'm here because I think I'm the right guy. Like, I think, I think you're stupid not, you know, to hire somebody <laughs> else. I'm clearly the right guy for this job. Right. And, and then, and then not get hired, right? Like, yeah. Nine times out of 10 or 19 times out of 20, you don't get hired anyway. And you still have to maintain a certain level of, of confidence and professionalism in what you do. So, uh, man you you know as far as advice i i would just say uh very generically like take it seriously if you really are thinking about doing it and um i i think a lot of people are looking for shortcuts i've had people that are just like implicitly they just want to know what website do i go to to, <laughs> to find out where do i sign up for the auditions you know yeah. for Crunchyroll. Yeah. It's like, man, like you're not there yet. You know, uh -huh. you might think you are because you, you watched a, you know, a YouTube video and you went out and you bought a microphone that you probably shouldn't have spent <laughs> that much money on, um, you know, but just because you have a piece of equipment doesn't mean you're ready to be a professional. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and so every once in a while you'll have somebody that's clearly gifted. And mm -hmm. like, okay okay let me show you the way because like clearly you've got it and you're not going anywhere right and, um and so but that's rare it most of us have to work at it and i i just i think if if somebody's really going to say hey voiceover career uh do the work and by the way you don't have to ask me there's a ton of resources out there people that'll tell you um i'm happy to talk with anybody about it but there's also there's there are way more resources online than there were 20 years ago uh, about how to be a voice actor. And yeah. there are guys that will, there are a lot of free resources. There are very good books uh, that have been written on the subject. And there are some guys that will charge you a thousand dollars or $10,000 for a year's worth of advice. Yeah. I've, I've seen these online. Wow. All these guys have, you know, they have really good little pod, you know, whatever show they're doing. Yeah. Uh, but they're sandbagging because they want you to buy their $10,000 course. Right. On how to really make it. And I don't know, maybe they're great. Uh, <laughs> but man, before you drop that investment, I feel like that's the final mile of the marathon. Yeah. Really, I feel like you should make sure that you've got the chops. And that means right. you can take copy having never seen it before in some circumstances and read it and figure out what the producer wants and do it and be great at it. And I don't think that just comes from an overnight thing. I don't think that's luck. Yeah. Um, I think you got to be a good reader. Uh, you got to be able to look at and interpret uh, a script 
for tone, mm-hmm. uh, for context. Mm-hmm. You can't just start reading words off a page. You got to know why those ro- words are there in the first place. What right. came before these words? What what question do these words answer? In the case of commercial copy, there's always a question before the, you know, that you don't hear. Yeah. You know, the commercial copy, when you're listening to the radio or watching TV and you see an ad, you know, that ad is written to scratch an itch that they think that the, the viewer has. Right. So, you know, all of that takes a little nuance and like kind of understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, so I would, you know, I just think you got to have a, a healthy attitude about what, what it means to do this. Because right. Yeah, definitely. Certain commitment to acting that really does exclude certain things in life. And, and, you know, I, when I first started getting into it and I'm talking early days, you know, like theater days, mm-hmm. even the theater teachers would tell you, look, if there's anything that you can do in this life that you can do and you can enjoy it, right. Go do it. Don't be an actor. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it is, it's, it is often so thankless. It leads to, it can lead to people's ruin. Mm-hmm. If they don't have the right attitude for it or if they don't have the right character disposition, uh, sudden success, if you're even lucky to have it, can lead to really stupid decisions that some people make. Um, you know, you look at actors who are very famous and very screwed up. Right. Um, all the time. Yep. Uh, success and fame and, and, and money does not bring happiness. And, right. uh, uh, and, and it's, uh, it, it, can, it can bring you some fun times. Uh, but you know, I just, I have a hard time like encouraging young people to like do this because it, it is a difficult thing. So, yeah. yeah. Well, man, we're coming up close to a close on here. I've got maybe just a few more questions I want to ask you and then we'll get you off of here. Do you have any hobbies? You know, when you've got a house full of kids, that's your hobby. I I feel that uh, I've been a, I've been a, uh, you know, Cub Scouts den leader. I've been a Boy Scouts volunteer. I've been a volunteer baseball, you know, little league baseball coach. Uh-huh. Um, I I think when I'm here at home, I enjoy working uh, in my uh, in my yard. Uh, you know, just basic outdoor stuff. Yeah, I like uh, camping with the with the kids. Um, I uh, you know I do love uh, you know, I like music. My wife and I like going to see live music, uh, from time to time. Um, so, you know, I've got, I've got interests, uh, but you know, for me, it's, um, it, it's been, it's been focused around raising our kids. So yeah. <laughs> you know, everything that goes along with that. What kind of music do you like? Man, I like everything from, you know, like indie to uh, classic rock to jazz. Um, okay. I've been on a jazz run lately, and I looked at my Spotify yesterday, and all of my daily mixes were nothing but uh, different jazz combinations. But I was like, man, this is weird. Um, <laughs> I'm a guy that also, like, I'm, uh, you know, I like everything from, um, um, gosh, I was listening to, uh, I was listening to The Smile this morning, the, uh, um the the tom york project uh-huh. outside of radiohead um my son is a musician uh, my oh, cool. son and he's really into like edm electronic stuff so that kind of reawakened my old interest in like early 80s techno pop stuff yeah uh, so um yeah pretty eclectic tastes almost almost anything but 
whatever mainstream radio is playing. Like, I just don't even listen to that. But I got you. Uh, indie bands, any kind of smaller band. I just like the originality of it. And uh, um, I guess I'm, I, I, I don't, I don't kind of ease into my old listening habits uh, yeah. as much as I might've thought I would. And, you know, I, I, I mean, classically I love, you know, Led Zeppelin. I love Pink Floyd. Yeah. Anything old and kind of proggy, right. Mm -hmm. kind of proggy stuff, prog metal. Yeah. Um, I was, I was very much into uh, Metallica and Queensryche and Anthrax and Megadeth when I was in high school. There you go. Uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I still have like, if that stuff comes on, I like sometimes I'll, you know, turn it up, but I'm, I'm just as likely these days to be listening to like some Belgian jazz. <laughs> Belgian jazz. I've, I don't think I've ever listened to any Belgian some jazz. Very cool stuff coming out of Amsterdam these days, my friend. Okay. I might have to give that a listen when we get off of here. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. Think, uh, think like Mogwai or explosions in the sky, but a little more experimental. Okay. Um, yeah. So all right do you have any current projects that you're working on that maybe you can uh tell me about you know i'm uh i'm, I'm just sort of waiting for a cool little uh western and again earlier i was talking uh north texas and indie film uh there was uh there was one called harsh treatment that i did about a year ago and uh i think we're expecting it to come out but it's a western uh -huh. and uh we shot it uh, shot it in north texas here in the extreme far reaches of uh you know the dallas fort fort worth area uh-huh and uh and that should be a good one um and then uh in the spring uh believe it or not i am going back to the theater and oh. i will be doing a show uh in dallas uh with uh with a theater here and so i'm, I'm excited to get back into that it's i don't know that it's a i don't know that it's a move so much as a kind of a stopover yeah uh, so well i mean it, you know hearing you talk you know the the state uh stage acting never really gets out of your blood and everything i can tell that you have a passion for that so yeah. you know you, you got to keep with your passions as well for sure yeah it kind of reminds you uh of why you started in the first place exactly it's really easy doing this job uh, after many years to kind of view it as the job and it's yep. your job and it's work right uh, but you can i think you can begin to lose your edge a little bit uh when it becomes the job every day and yeah. you you know so much uh that is uh rewarding about this uh career uh really are those moments of creative inspiration mm -hmm. uh those moments of um when you're just working on a project with really great people and and you you feel inspired and you're you're feeling creative and and uh you you feel like you're contributing to something meaningful right and uh that happens a lot in in theater and um it it often happens in film and television uh but not always yeah and 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 really a lot of times you are showing up for a shoot on something that you know it's going to be a slog and <laughs> you're just there and you're you're you know, you should be giving it your best, but at the end of the day, you're collecting a paycheck. I mean, I'm sorry to say it, but that is a, a lot, a lot of times the work feels right. like that. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you know, you got to take the, the heights with the troughs, you know, right. and that's just life. And, uh, and so, uh, so yeah, it's good to get back to your roots and to, to think about why you started doing it in the first place. Yeah. So. Well, man, it has been 
great talking to you. Um, if you could tell everybody where they can follow you, if they want to follow you online. Yeah. I mean, I've got, um, I've got a Facebook page, Jason Douglas fans, I think is what it's called or Jason Douglas actor. I'm also on Twitter slash X as Mr. Jason Douglas. Uh-huh. The easiest thing is probably cause I'm on IG. Uh, I'm on all these places, but the easiest thing I think to do is find my link tree. Uh-huh. And, uh, I'm also on link tree as Mr. Jason Douglas. And if you pull that up, uh, you're going to not only see, uh, where you can connect with me, uh, but I also try to keep it updated with a list of my appearances. So okay. I have quite a few appearances already booked, um, you know, for, for this year. Um, I'm going to be in Florida three times. I'm going to be in uh, Jacksonville in March. I'm going to be in Oklahoma City uh, for a, a big anime show uh, at the end of this month. Okay. Uh, but I've got shows in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be all over. Okay. Uh, and you'll see that on the link tree and you can follow the links to buy tickets or to, you know, ask questions, et cetera. So. All right, man. Uh, do you have any final thoughts for me before I get you off of here? No, man, this is great. I'm, uh, I'm, 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 uh, feels honored to be on here. And, uh, I, you know, I hope we, I hope I wasn't too boring today. I hope we had some. Oh, no, not at all. Your audience will be interested in, but yeah, I, uh, it's been a weird career for me and it's kind of fun and interesting to talk about because uh, truly there's a lot of pockets of, yeah, of interest that even I'm surprised sometimes to remember, you know, oh, yeah, I did do that thing. So. <laughs> yeah, but thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely, man. It was great having you on and thank you for doing this and hopefully I can get you back on again in the future. You bet. Maybe when I get a big project coming up, we can talk about it. That sounds great. All right. I have a good one. Thanks. Hey, listener, this is a not paid for product placement for the Zero to Hero podcast. What do you if mean? If you not definitely paid? like what you're listening to now, come on over to the, the Zero to Hero podcast. Lights on, just anywhere you want to be able to find your podcast at trash bills, like dude. Apple Podcasts, what? Spotify, what? Amazon Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, which is still a little weird. For the two next two weeks. Come on over and enjoy yourself and listen to Billy and myself bicker, argue, and well, fight about a lot of things no, as we are the Balkan School of Podcasting. How the hell am I going to Good luck out there and for... welcome back to the show. All right, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed that episode with Jason Douglas. He was really cool to talk to, and I'm glad that I was able to bring him on the show. And I just want to say thank you to him again for uh, taking time to be on the show to talk with me today. And, uh, you know, kind of tell these amazing stories that he got to tell. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to get him on again, maybe later this year or maybe next year or something, you know. But uh, I definitely want to have him back on the show to talk further about, you know, a lot of the things that we didn't get to talk about and maybe some new projects that he's working on as well. So next week I will be having on um, the last guy that is part of the Three Ranger Bros Studios. Um, as you know, I've had Willie on here, uh, cosplayer dude uh, 637. I've also had Ty Tiger on here. Well, now I am going to have Mark the Red Cornish Ranger on the podcast, and we are going to talk about his stories that he does with uh, Nerds Through Comics and 
all kinds of other things that he does, how he came up with the Red Cornish Ranger character and everything. So that one's going to be a lot of fun, and I know that you guys are going to enjoy that one as well. So make sure that you tune in next week to hear that episode with Mark the Red Cornish Ranger. And while you're waiting on a new episode of If You Give a Data Podcast, make sure that you check out my podcast networks, the OIW Podcast Network, the Zio to Hero Podcast Network, and the Avenue Podcast Network. Um, they all have amazing shows, and go out there, give them some love, listen to some of those great uh, shows on there as well. So I do have some new merch out. You've seen me post these. I have, in fact, I'm wearing one of them right now. You can't see it, but I am wearing it, and it is my uh, Dad Bod Club uh, shirt that I have. It's uh, kind of based off of something else. If you're a wrestling fan, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, me and Billy from Zio to Hero actually came up with this design, and my wife perfected it and made it what it is now, and they are for sale. Um, if it's local, you can get them for $20. If you need it shipped to you, it'll be $25. I also have my hoodies out, which uh, are 30 if they're local, 35 if you need it shipped to you. It has the hello, all my beautiful people on the front, just in the little pocket size. And then on the back, it says, if you give a dad a podcast. Uh, you've seen me post these. I also have my t-shirts, that normal t-shirts that you can get. Plus, I can get all of those. Um, in t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, whatever you're needing, I can get any one of those designs done on those. So uh, just let me know what you want. Hit me up and uh, you can get one of those today. Um, also, my wife is the one who makes them for me. So if you like what that looks like and you want her to make something for you, something custom, she can do that as well. She makes all kinds of stuff from uh, you know cups to hats to t-shirts to uh, sweaters. Uh, she does just about anything you can think of. She also does stickers. Uh, her stickers are really amazing. And if you guys are at the Neo Show uh, Art Con this weekend and you stop by, just ask me for one of the stickers. I'll be giving out um, free stickers for uh, the podcast. So come by, say hi, um, and everything. And with saying that, I also want to talk about Original Geek Comics. Um, Original Geeks, uh, Nick Helms, and all those guys over there. We are doing a joint project where I'm going to be doing a live episode at Neo Show Art Con. And... Um, I will have a link later this week for you guys to be able to tune into that as well. It's something new, and it's going to be exciting, and I'm just looking forward to this. It's uh, just it's going to be um, a new chapter in the If You Give a Data podcast. Um, I have some new stuff that's coming out as well that you will be hearing about here really soon. When it comes to some of my other people, I'm doing all kinds of new stuff when it comes to this podcast and expanding my reach and expanding what I do here. But make sure that you tune in with uh, me and Original Geek Comics when we do our live episode. I'm going to interview uh, Nick and some of the other guys about um, their process when it comes to writing and it comes to creating. because Some of the artists will be there as well. And um, then we'll be able to take some questions from the fans or from the people who were there. You know, So if you show up, Make sure you bring your, your uh, question so that uh, we can answer those for you. I also want to say thank you to D-Cure for creating my ending theme song for me. If you like the way that sounds, then make sure that you go out there and follow him. All of these people that I'm mentioning right now, I will have links to them in my show notes. Especially even today's guest, uh, Jason Douglas. I have his link tree on there, which shows all of the different places that he will be in the near future and all the different ways that you can follow him, as well as you heard me say in the last episode to go and look up his IMDb. I will have a link to that as well, so you can see all the amazing things that he's done. 
So you hear me talking about social media here, and if you want to follow me on that, you can just look up If You Give a Data Podcast on whichever social media app that you're using, and uh, you should be able to find me. You can also look me up on Google. I should be the first 10 to 15 results there as well. If you want to send me an email, send it to giveadatapodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you guys, and I can't wait to hear more from you. As you're listening to this, make sure that you go out there and rate and review this episode. Tell me what you think. Whether you liked it or whether you didn't, let me know. The more people who review this and give me a five-star review, the more likely I am to be recommended to somebody else. If you didn't like it, that's okay too. But uh, just let me know what you think of these episodes and how I'm doing. Also, make sure that you go out there and like, share, and subscribe to If You Give a Data Podcast, wherever it is you're listening. And make sure that you hit that notification bell. That way you are notified when a new episode of iGadap drops. So, we are at the end of another episode of If You Give a Data Podcast. And it is time for Billy's favorite part of the episode. And that is Dad Joke of the Week. (laughs) What did Beerus say to Goku about his son? Why don't you tell your son Gohan home? (laughs) <laughs> Jared's dad joke of the week More like Jared's lame duck of the week Oh my god this is so bad to listen to Alright you guys I love you I hope that you have a wonderful week And I will see you next time Bye On. He calls us beautiful people, then tells us who we have on. The best part of my day, the world blocked out in my pods. Tell my friends all about it so that they follow along. And the host is kind of nerdy, but guess what? I am as well. I don't feel so alone, and I began walking out of my shell. Heard a story, I need a connection I haven't felt. I'll be looking for the next one, tell then farewell. It's the podcast for me. Have it on, better go see. Closely download and tune in remotely. It's the podcast for me. Have it on, better go see and listen closely. This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. All right, cool, sweet, baby Jesus. Okay, cool.